Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 50 of Hack to Start. This episode features Sarah Stockdale, the growth manager at Tilt, the easy way to collect money from a group for free. Tyler and I wanted to invite Sarah onto the show to share her insights and experiences as an entrepreneur and growth marketer. Sarah has been working in the financial tech industry for the past few years while continuing to inspire new graduates through her role at Nuance Leadership Development and the Greater Toronto Community with the TEDx Distillery District Woman. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey, Sarah, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me on. So let's start off by getting to know a bit about yourself. Where are you from? What did you study? And how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop? For sure. So I'm from a really small town called Dorchester, Ontario. Um, you know, two stoplights and the second one was a big deal. <laughs> so I studied at Laurier and Ryerson. So I did um, communications in English at Laurier and then I did a master's in professional communications at Ryerson. Uh, I would say my passion for entrepreneurship developed after I had already been working in the industry for a few months, to be honest, I don't have like a, a cool, like I was 15 years old and I developed an app story. I just don't. Um, but I, my passion for entrepreneurship just developed by experiencing pain in my career and wanting to start something to fix it. So I've actually uh, founded, co-founded on the side, we're just kind of hustling on it, a company called Page Nerd with uh, three other co-founders. So definitely later in my career. So what is PageNerd? Yeah, so PageNerd is just a really easy way for you know marketing folks to design content. So one of the big pieces of uh, struggle or challenge in my career was I was always working with these phenomenal UI UX designers and never graphic designers. And I come from a growth marketing background, so I'm not necessarily amazing with Illustrator. Um, so I was always asking UI UX designers to graphic design for me and they hated it. Uh, so we decided like, let's, let's hack together something in the middle, you know, of a word doc and, and Photoshop so that people can create really beautiful graphic design really simply and, uh, and not have to worry about things like print margins or bleeds. Let's just take care of everything for them. That's awesome. And is it, uh, is it currently like online or? So you can you can sign up for our beta list at pagenerd.com. Um, we are going into super stealth, stealthy alpha um, in the summer. That's awesome. So, yeah. So how did you get your first job out of school and how was that experience like? Yeah. So I actually, I almost ended up working at a big PR company instead of going into tech. So when I graduated, I had two opportunities. One of them was with national PR and it was very much an entry level PR position. And one of them was with wave. Uh, and it was, you know, at that point wave hadn't raised any money. They were a tiny 20 person accounting startup, um, that no one had ever heard of. 
So I was obviously going to take the, you know, very traditional, very not risky um, PR job. And then my last meeting there, uh, my friend who had helped me get the interview at National PR, who's actually one of the best PR people in Canada now, but at the time she was very entry level and she was cleaning out a closet when I got there for my last meeting. And I kind of, I made a quick, uh, quick decision there that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do as much as I could to learn early in my career. So taking a job at this tiny, um, tiny accounting startup with a three person marketing team, you know, I figured I'd probably learn a lot, a lot faster there, um, despite what happened. So I took the job at Wave and two months later they raised $20 million from Social Plus Capital. So I kind of took a risk, but it, it ended up paying off well for me. So that was kind of my first gig out of school. Um, I, I'm kind of the same way. Out, out of school, I've, uh, I went into like the startup scene um, right away, and I have yet to actually work for a company larger than 10 people. So oh, um, yeah, so I completely understand about you know going for the smaller organization, just learning constantly on a day-to-day basis. So as you mentioned, you worked at Wave for a while. What were your various roles there, and what were some of the biggest lessons learned? Definitely. So when I first started at Wave, as I as I mentioned, it was a tiny twenty person uh, shop with you know that hadn't raised any money yet. So I was added on as one of the first people on their marketing team, and my job was very specifically business development. So I was working on uh, integration partnerships. I was working on you know general corporate partnerships um, and and attending a lot of networking events on behalf of the founders. Um, and then I guess once you raise money from an investor like Social Plus Capital, they really focus on growth. So from there, we created a growth team that uh, you know was in, that had uh, engineers, designers, and a couple of us business folks on that team. So I worked in growth for a while um, on a lot of different projects, some niche marketing stuff, some advertising stuff. Um, we, we built a Windows 8 app in three weeks, so we did just ridiculous, fun growth experiments, just crazy stuff uh, for a little while. And then what we realized for the organization is that uh, getting on a product level and growing through the product was really where we were winning. So I ended up taking a role as a product marketing manager on the payroll side and working with a team of engineers to build virality um, into the product and to really make it very user-friendly and solve a lot of pain for our users. And so now you're currently the growth manager at, at Tilt. So what is Tilt and, and how did you transition from Wave to uh, to working there? Definitely. So I would say, um, you know, you're always sort of creating your next opportunity, I guess, whether you know it or not. So um, the the person who ended up being the country manager for Tilt Canada had come to a couple of events that I had hosted for Wave. And I guess he had just kind of made a note of my name. Um, we didn't actually ever meet, but he reached out to me on Twitter. He direct messaged me on Twitter um, when the opportunity for Tilt came up in Canada. So kind of very super vague uh, direct message on Twitter about a very vague opportunity at a startup I'd never heard of. It was uh, it was a really cool way to discover Tilt's um, and to, to you know get the new opportunity and then I guess the creating creating the opportunity was the the 10 interviews that that followed so yeah their tilt is amazing because it's a very rigorous um, rigorous interview process they, they want to make sure that they build the best team possible so um, I really respect that 
type of uh, rigor. So yeah, so that's awesome. So what are the three most important things that you think an outsider would need to know sort of about growth hacking and, and the payment industry uh, based on your experience? Yeah, so I think there's there's kind of three main things um, that that I would say about growth hacking in the payments industry. The first one is, you know, it's not a it's not a regular growth funnel. Um, when you're working for the payments industry, you're really asking your users to adopt a brand new behavior. Um, if they're used to, you know, paying their friends back in cash, or they're used to um, going to the bank to you know, to transfer their money, you're really asking them to change a lot of what they're they're comfortable with when it comes to their money. And money is something that people are already uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. So you're asking them to, you know, adopt new behaviors in a space that they're already a little bit apprehensive about. So the first thing that I would say is make sure that whatever you're doing is solving a very specific pain for your users because you're going to be asking them to to do things outside of their comfort zone. So you really have to intimately know your product and your users and your market. Uh, The second thing I'd say is security. So for growth hacking in the payments industry, it's really necessary to over-communicate security to users, especially in Canada where we're a little bit behind, we're about 18 months behind in terms of technology adoption. So making people feel really comfortable with your product and making sure that your product is solving a specific pain point for them. And then the last one is, you know, everyone's looking for a magic growth hack or a magic bullet. Um, you know, you hear stories about Airbnb letting their users list on Craigslist and that being a massive growth hack. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think of it more in terms of um, our director calls them levers. So having trying a lot of different things, experimenting with a lot of different growth strategies and then finding the, you know, three or four things that you can rely on for steady growth. Of course, experimenting around around those things, but having, you know, kind of your true bread and butter of how you're going to grow. So, you know, that could be ads, that could be an influencer program. Um, it could be, you know, niche marketing hacks, but, you know, finding those levers and and not necessarily relying on this like magic growth bullet. Um, definitely putting in the work. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier that uh, you decided to go the the small startup route to, to get some experience and gain some, you know, some some important uh, skills. So what have been some of those, you know, most important lessons uh, about startups or working with startups that you've learned over the past few years? So the most important lesson about startups, I think I've, I've learned, you know, I've had the really cool experience of working for a Canadian startup and for a, a San Francisco startup. And I think that the number one thing that I've learned is speed. I think it's something that, you know, San Francisco startups do a lot better than Canadian startups. Um, you know, we, you really have to hustle to win your market. You have to make fast decisions. You have to spend money in the right areas. And um, in Canadian startups, I, I do think that they move a little bit too slowly to actually, you know, take over their market. And the one thing that I think you know, American startups could learn from Canadian startups is a little bit of the conservative mindset that we have. Um, when it comes to resources, when it comes to money, I find Canadians are a lot more um, strategic hmm. about where, you know, they place their resources. And I think sometimes in the Valley, you can get that, you know, experiment with everything, you know, spend money anywhere you think is going to move the needle. And I think Canadians are really good about working backwards from where their goals are and making you know, very conscious effort to use their resources in a, in a really conservative um, way. So there's, there's kind of, 
it's kind of both ends, but I would say, you know, most importantly, speed, move as quickly as you possibly can, hire, hire the right people that are going to get you there um, as fast as you can. That's pretty cool. And so, so building on that insight, uh, what's it like working, uh, you know, for, for an, I guess, you know, a startup that's split between San Francisco and Toronto? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's been really cool. Uh, just, and I think it, a lot of it's very specific to tilts. Um, they're really um, rigorous, as I mentioned before, about hiring great talent. So I just get to be you know, surrounded, not not literally because we're remote, but surrounded by these, you know, incredibly talented people who have already done amazing things. We hired a couple um, of founders out of YC startups, you know, some of the youngest founders uh, ever to come out of YC and sell their businesses now work with us at Tilt. So just the access um, that I get to this, this like crazy talent um, is really exciting. And then um, I would say, you know, the other thing is, is that speed, is that, um, you know, I, I hate to quote Mark Zuckerberg, but move fast and break things um, mentality. Um, so, so I've learned that, you know, work with crazy talented people and, and drive as hard as you possibly can. Um, I'm, I'm still uncomfortable with spending money on marketing <laughs> coming from kind of that bootstrap mentality, but I'm, I'm slowly getting over it. So that's something that I'm still working on. For sure. <laughs> so, so what's next for, for Tilt in 2015? Do you guys have any uh, big plans or uh, product features? Yeah. So, so something huge that I'm really excited about, about Tilt in 2015 is we're going very hard on international. So okay. Canada was the first kind of international experiment, and we're growing. Um, we're growing really quickly at about ninety percent uh, month over month in new campaigns in Canada. So wow. we're going. Um, we're going aggressively international. So I think. I think that's going to be a huge challenge and a lot of fun uh, just to launch in all of these different markets. You know, starting with the UK. So that's that's a big thing for you know Tilt proper, and then for Tilt Canada where the goal is to um, build the best campus ambassador team in the world. So we're aggressively, um, we're aggressively hiring campus ambassadors and finding new and different ways to add value to their experience with Tilt uh, in Canada and also in North America. That's awesome. That's exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing all the updates at Tilt throughout 2015. So you're involved in a ton of other initiatives in, around Toronto. You were previously the director of sponsorship for TEDx Distillery District Women, and are now the current and are currently the the director of speakers. How do you work with partners to have them support this organization, and how do you attract amazing speakers to the event? Definitely, um, great question. So on the sponsorship side, I've actually found um, the tech community to be incredibly generous um, with this event. You know, it is a, a women-specific conference, and that is an area of, I would say, maybe improvement for for the tech community. So I definitely um, have felt a lot of good support from tech in Toronto. You know, DevOps Toronto was even a gold level sponsor of TEDx Distillery District Women, which is crazy. They're, they're you know, a, a, a sysops conference uh, mm -hmm. supporting, you know, women's TEDx events. So um, really kind of felt the warmth from the tech community there. Um, and then I'd say on the speaker side, you know, just the TEDx brand itself attracts a lot of amazing people. So our job becomes more of uh, curating you know, who we want to, you know, give the space and time to tell their story. And, um, you know, how can we supplement the applications with 
different, making sure that you know, we have a diverse portfolio of speakers that come from different backgrounds that have different perspectives on what it's like to be a woman and what it's like to be a leader. So um, that was really, really fun this year. We had a we had a slam poet. We had some burlesque dancers. We got to to That's give awesome. space to women to tell some cool stories. So it was a lot of fun. That's really cool. So you're also the associate speaker with Nuance Leadership Development. So would you be able to walk us through what this organization is and how did you get involved? Yeah, for sure. So um, the organization is actually um, founded by Drew Dudley, who's a leadership, an internationally renowned leadership speaker. He's also a TEDx speaker. So I met him years ago when I was working in student leadership for Ryerson. And one of the things that he does um, every year is he works with student leaders at different universities uh, across Canada and, and now internationally um, to make sure that they're you know prepared for things that they that they might find challenging throughout the year. So I kind of supplement in um, experience in crisis communication and public relations. Um, and then, you know, how to, how to find ways to, to integrate the mentality of growth hacking into, you know, bigger bureaucracies like universities. So it's usually in the summer when student unions, new student unions are picked and I, I just go in, um, whenever Drew needs me to kind of supplement on kind of the PR and crisis side. So it's, it's cool because I, I come from a bit of a background of student leadership um, and I, I like to you know, keep a little bit of that around um, as much as I can, I like to hang out with students. That's really cool. So, so what are some of the best advice or lessons you can share with others um, about all the experience you've had with your talks? Yeah, I would say for, for students, you know, students are always asking me, like, how do I set myself up for my career or how do I you know, am I taking the right courses? Um, and I think the biggest thing um, I like to, to talk to students about is optimizing for learning. So that's, that's one of the things that I talk about in my, in my talks is, you know, if you can take an opportunity, even if it's, <laughs> even if it's not glamorous um, or if it's not with the best company, but you think you're going to learn the most and be challenged the most from that opportunity, select it over, over everything else. So I, I had the opportunity to work for MTV as an intern when I was in grad school and I did not optimize that choice for learning. So I ended up, you know, getting beer for people a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, so, so take, take non-glamorous opportunities and challenge yourself at any, at any point that you possibly can throughout your education. That's some really good advice. So do you have any unbelievable or amazingly funny stories that you can share with us today? Oh my gosh, I'm not amazingly funny. I will apologize in advance for that. <laughs> um, the, the one thing that I, I thought was more like cool and kind of mind-blowing, um, when I first started um, at Tilt, it was called Crowd Tilt. And Sean Parker is one of our investors, which I didn't really kind of wrap my head around that until um, we decided to change our name from Tilt, or sorry, from Crowd Tilt to Tilt. And that was actually because we had, you know, that moment in this social network where Sean Parker, played by Justin Timberlake, <laughs> says to Mark Zuckerberg, you know, it's just Facebook. It's not the Facebook. <laughs> uh, our founder, James Bashara, had that almost that exact moment where Sean Parker was like, it's tilt, 
it's not crowd tilt. And um, some of our ambassadors, having no idea that we were in any way affiliated with Sean Parker, created a whole bunch of memes when we changed our name, uh, like just super short little videos from the social network. And it was really funny that that's what they picked out because that's almost exactly what happened. <laughs> no way. That's hilarious. So where, where do you see some of the biggest opportunities for entrepreneurs? Uh, are there any technologies or industries that, that really interest you? Definitely. So obviously, I, I probably couldn't answer this question without saying financial tech. Um, I've worked in financial tech my whole career, pretty much. And I see it as a huge opportunity for um, entrepreneurs. And it's, it's not just kind of the boring, you know, banking and investing. I think, you know, companies like Tilt that allow people to pool money can do crazy things um, that you wouldn't expect with that technology. So uh, an example of that is there was a Google engineer in San Francisco who used Tilt to you know, get on a, a kickball team. He just paid his registration. And then there was a spike in crime in his neighborhood in Oakland. So he, you know, he s- decided, hey, let's, you know, the, the government, the police force isn't doing anything about this crime spike. So let's tilt some private security and just see if it works. So they used Tilt to pool money in the neighborhood and tilted private security. And that actually had a viral effect on neighborhoods around that neighborhood. And it was kind of, it kind of became that, you know, four or five neighborhoods were all tilting private security. And they actually dropped the crime in their, in their area by about 70, 70%. That's crazy. Um, That's crazy. So, so I, I see financial tech as more than just, you know, payments or social payments. It's not just Snapchatting your friend money. Um, there's, there's real implications of disrupting, you know, systems of power in financial technology. Um, and then I would say the second one is real estate. Please, somebody disrupt <laughs> the real estate industry. I, if anybody comes up with a phenomenal idea, eventually I'll probably end up coming to work on it because, you know, any, any industry where there's a lot of information empowered, controlled by a very small group of people and not shared, um, you know, we need to get rid of that. For sure. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite apps, devices, or tools that you're currently using right now? Um, I'm, I'm not using anything crazy exciting. Uh, I would say Audible is my number one. I'm trying to do kind of that two books a month. And if you listen to them on the TTC, it makes that go a lot of fa- a lot faster. Um, Mailbox is my second one. I, you know, I manage, I help manage a campus ambassador team of like 200 students. So my inbox is outrageous. Um, and Mailbox just lets you call back emails at specific mm-hmm. times. Um, so you never really miss anything. You're always, you know, it's always coming back to your inbox, um, at the right time versus on Sunday at 11 PM. So, uh, I think the last one would be just Trello. It's just the easiest way that I just manage my time. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with Trello. So at Tilt, since you guys are in San Francisco and, and in Canada, what are some of the tools that you guys use to connect with each other? Definitely. Um, so High Five, have you heard of High Five? It's, yes. um, it's awesome. Uh, so we're, we're a little bit obsessed with High Five. Um, we use it aggressively. Uh, Slack is a lifesaver. Um, you, can, you can actually just pop up um, backslash appear and just pop up a video chat anytime you need to. So kind of takes out a lot of the like scheduling um, we've, we've tried, you know, the robots with the iPad on them that can, <laughs> that can really? go to people and, and tap them on the shoulder. Yeah, totally. How there was that? 
they're really cool except for the batteries die really fast <laughs> so so you go and you tap someone on the shoulder and then you can't do it again until somebody remembers to you know plug the thing in for three hours <laughs> so it's it sounds cool in theory but in practice it doesn't work very well need those tesla so. home batteries <laughs> yeah exactly that's really cool so are there any books that you're currently reading or do you have any that you would recommend to others yeah, for sure. I'd say um, my favorite, my favorite, I actually listened to it, um, book that I've listened to was um, The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just an incredible look at what, you know, founding a tech company li- looks like at all stages. So he kind of starts out, you know, what, an, what it was like to found early stage tech companies and what it was like to manage big tech companies and, and manage acquisitions. And he's extremely honest and very funny um, and, and very, I, I find, like self-reflexive and he gives great advice through the book. So I would definitely recommend that to anyone who wants to, to found a company at any stage. Yeah, it's a very, uh, very sobering read. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So do you have any uh, last thoughts or personal models that you live by and you think others should know about? Definitely. I think I already, I think I already said my main one is just optimize, optimize everything you do for learning. Um, so surround yourself with the, with the best people. Um, you know, ask people who aren't already in your life to come into it and mentor you. So one thing I did early on in my career was I built what I called a board of directors um, so I have kind of mentors and then what I call friend tours. So friends who are, you know, also mentoring me in some capacity. Um, so surrounding yourself with people who have done what you want to do before and who can, you know, help you on that path and not just specifically from your industry, but just take, take people that you admire from any industry and just ask them, um, to, to add a little bit of value to your life and make sure you're giving value back to people. Um, that's the big thing. I get asked to go for coffees all the time and I would love to go to all of them um, because I, I just love talking to, to students. But make sure that you're finding a way to, to add value back to your mentors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's huge. For sure. Cool. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, chat with us today, Sarah. It was uh, amazing to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I love the show. Really excited to be on. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Hack to Start, and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.